This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Hey, family. We are heading into part four of my series on confidence. And in the past, last time we talked about confidence being future-facing and people not resting on their laurels and, and resting on past successes to propel them into the future. We also talked about how confidence is subconscious and that in many ways our subconscious knows what's really true in our spirit. So we have to be true to our true selves. In this episode, we're going to talk about how confidence can be stymied or stunted by trauma. Now, a lot of us have experienced trauma. Not all trauma is molestation, murder, or death. Some trauma is small trauma that can have a lasting impact on our ability to be able to be successful in our future. Um, it could be something as simple as when you were a kid, you raised your hand and got something wrong, and everyone laughed at you. Now, that trauma you can use as fuel, but some of us uh, use it as a, as a way of not you know, ever raising our hand again. It, it sometimes shuts our voice off. Uh, my dad told us a story uh, when he was little because his mom, I think she had no more than a third grade education. So by the time he went to school, everything he had learned, he had learned in his home. But he was a really smart kid and he recalls being in class and the, and the teacher wrote on the board, V-E-G-E-T-A-B-L-E. And she turned to the class and said, do you know what that says? And my father did. He raised his hand. It was like, ooh, 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 me, 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 me. And the teacher called on him, and he said, vegetables. And everyone started cracking up and laughing, and, and he was mortified because that's the way his mother said vegetables, vegetables. And so it marked him in a way that made him super anal about diction and pronunciation. And I've said this many times before, my father was one of the most eloquent speakers I've ever had in my life. Um, clearly, I didn't follow in his footsteps, but uh, his diction, perfect. Uh, he could recite Rudyard Kipling and, yeah, I mean, just amazing um, orator. And it was directly related to that trauma that he experienced in that classroom. So trauma can propel us if we use it as fuel or trauma can keep us from our best selves. So I want to talk a little bit today about how trauma impacts our confidence. Uh, again, the key to confidence as it relates to trauma is to confront it. A lot of us are experiencing things in our lives and our subconscious mind that we haven't confronted. We have been walking through our adult lives with a bag of trauma, a bag full of trauma. And denial is a horrible place to be. And as I mentioned before, you can't run uh, from it because this trauma lives in your subconscious. So guess what? Wherever you run to is right there with you. And what is taken with, with it is your confidence. And trauma is sneaky. It's the thing that happens behind the walls that ruins your house. So if anybody has a house, you know, you could have termites and not know it for years. And you can have the most beautiful inside and even outside structure. And you think you have a beautiful house until one day, one day, uh, your whole structure starts to crumble. And 
that is the way trauma works on your confidence and it will manifest. It will definitely manifest if you do not eradicate it and if you do not confront it. So if you have uh, gone through, and we've been dealing with that a lot recently, especially on the, in the wake of the Me Too movement, it has unearthed a lot for a lot of people to confront the things that have happened to them uh, as it relates to, you know, workplace sexual assault and even molestation and rape and things like that. Um, but the first step to recovery, again, is to admit that you have a problem. And it can be something really, really small, and it can be something in the recesses of your mind. But my suggestion is to take some time with yourself, and you should do this anyway, at least for 10 minutes a day. Um, it's the way I start every morning, 10 minutes a day. I make a connection with God, and you know I have, have that moment to myself where it's quiet, nothing's on, no electronics are turned on, no television or anything, which is an electronic. And... Just have that quiet moment where you plug into yourself and try to dig into your subconscious and, and f figure out what is holding me back. Because there's some of you, you work extremely hard. Uh, you study. You, you do all of the right things, as I mentioned in the last podcast. You're all on your affirmations. You have your whole, your, your um, board you know, with the with the cutouts and your, your vision board, it's, it's there on your refrigerator and every day you look at it and you are doing all of the right things. You've read every self-help book that you can imagine, which is why I'm doing this series because there's still something that is blocking you because you're doing everything physically possible. Now you have to do some things metaphysically. You have to do some things that are inside your spirit. So confront your trauma. That's the first thing. And then once you confront the trauma, you have to take action to heal. Because I don't care whether, it, you know, if it's something minor or something major, just talking about it is not enough. You have to have a plan, a game plan to heal. I totally am about getting therapy and going to seek help from someone who's a professional, not just a friend. And, and there's some good friends out there who can help you get through things. But if it's something so deep that you've been carrying around with you for so long and it is such an impediment to your success, you have to go get professional help. And there's no shame in it. As a matter of fact, I think there's a badge of honor in, in taking stock because you wouldn't walk around with a disease and not go get help for it. Okay, so mental health is even more important, uh, maybe equally as important. Mental health is equally as important as your physical health. So let's get help. And then... Then I'm going to ask you to do something really tough. Use that traumatic experience, use that trauma as fuel. Use that trauma as fuel to get you to the next place, to get this car running. As we mentioned before, I liken uh, confidence to your battery and the battery in your car. I liken confidence to the battery in your car. And like the battery in your car, when the battery runs low, you have to find ways to keep that battery going so your car can keep going. Well, Trauma, in many ways, can be used as fuel, and it's a powerful fuel, actually, because uh, when I think about people who've experienced trauma and used it as fuel, I think of people like Oprah Winfrey, uh, who talks about growing up, um, being molested as a kid, even getting pregnant as a teenager, being sent to her dad, and it's the kind of story that you can, when confronted, when dealt with, when healed through, can be used as a powerful fuel to move you into a next place. Maya Angelou has a similar story that she talks about. Um, and there are many people who've gone through traumas. Anthony Robbins talks about his traumatic experience. And the one that sticks out even more uh, poignantly for me is Joyce Meyer. 
Um, Joyce Meyer is an evangelist. Uh, I've been watching her on television for the last decade or so. Um, she's an incredible uh, preacher. And uh, if you've never watched Joyce Meyer, just check out a couple of her uh, her TV appearances or her TV shows. They're really, really good. Um, but Joyce Meyer often talks about this experience that happened to her when she was a kid. Um, actually, it's really horrific. Her father, her father molested her when she was a little girl. He molested her for most of her childhood into her teenage years. And what's really even more horrific, in my opinion, is that her mother knew. So she grew up with a really toxic relationship with both of her parents, particularly her father, really angry, really confused, very torn and ripped up and shredded up in her spirit. And it took her a minute to, to pass through that to get to a place. And, of course, her relationship with God was an extreme help, you know, um, and she talks again about all of that. But for most of her young adult life, she turned a blind eye to the trauma that she experienced as a child, to the, the betrayal that she felt with her mom. And for years, she just didn't deal with it, which led to a whole lot of jacked up things happening in her life. But when she confronted it, and when she started getting help for it is when she became her most powerful. And she became so empowered and so confident in herself um, that that experience was something that she now uses in her ministry. And she didn't just take, you know, the healing and the forgiveness of both her father and her mother into her ministry. She also then um, ministered to them which I think is even more powerful. I, I know um, God's not through with me yet because I'm not at a place where uh, I could have experienced what Joyce Meyer experienced at the hands of her father and have enough humanity and spirituality and love to then nurse him. She nursed him on his deathbed. She nursed him on his deathbed and was committed to his soul being saved. I don't know if, I, you know, like that's special. That's next level. But she could only do that because she did her work to untether herself from that trauma, to confront it, to heal from it, to deal with it, and then use it, to use it as a, as a weapon, actually, to, to fight evil. And it is, you know, an amazing story. If you aren't familiar with Joyce Meyer, you're welcome. I just introduced you to her. Um, but as we look at confidence, which is what this series is about. I want you to think about some traumatic experiences that you've had in your life. And this word tethered is being used a lot in, in light of Jordan Peele's great movie, Us. Think what you want about it. I love it. But um, being tethered to something, uh, in many ways, trauma is like a giant rubber band wrapped around you. And if you, uh, you can try to run away from it, but the further you get away from it without dealing with it, it will snap you back at the most inopportune time into a place of darkness. And that's not what you need to do. You need to cut that band. And the only way you can do that, again, is to confront it and then to go seek actively healing from that. And then I would suggest, you don't have to do this, is to use that trauma as fuel because it is probably the best thing that you can put in your engine is to take something negative and turn it into something positive. So the message today is trauma and how it can impact your confidence negatively. And the homework is to confront it, assess it, deal with it, get, go get help, and then use it to move forward. You cannot have real confidence and success carrying around a past load. We've talked about that before. You cannot have real confidence and thus success 
carrying around things from the past, living in the past. And this trauma is like the most giant albatross. It's the giant anchor that will keep you from your best self. Drop it off and you can take from this what you will. And and I just want to do a little um, aside as it relates to being untethered and being your true self. In the last podcast, I talked about Cardi B. Um, and, you know, we were talking about, it wasn't really about Cardi B. It was about just being your full, complete self. And this is part of it, um, is embracing the things, even the ugly things, and then using the ugly things for some good. But I was thinking about somebody yesterday as I was re-listening to the podcast, um, from the other day. And there's a gentleman that I, I covered, um, in high, when he was in high school, I was, um, um, uh, you know, new, I was new at the New York Daily News. I'd been there a couple of years and, uh, I covered the state championship in New Jersey, uh, basketball. And there was a, a kid who was seven foot two who played for Elizabeth high school. His name was Luther Wright. And he went up against the mighty St. Anthony's from Jersey city, which were the Hurley brothers coached by their dad, Bobby Hurley senior. And, uh, of course, St. Anthony's won, but, um, Luther Wright and I became like not friends, but you know, I, I kept in touch with him. He ended up getting drafted by the NBA. I went to Seton Hall, actually, stayed in Jersey, went to Seton Hall, coached by PJ Carlesimo, then ended up at the Utah Jazz. And then I didn't hear from him after he, I think he stayed in the NBA for one year. And the next time I found him, he had been on the streets homeless. And it's one of these stories that um, breaks my heart just to, to think about it and to talk about it. Seven foot two inch Luther Wright had the world in his in his hands. Right, could have been anything. Um, multimillionaire basketball player could have been a basketball legend, but never fulfilled his destiny. And I had an opportunity after a story ran that I saw. It was a little story um, somewhere in the, in the Star Ledger that I then reached out to him, story about him being homeless. I reached out to him, we became friends, ended up doing a book called The Perfect Fit with him. I published and wrote a book with him. And during that time that I spent with him, he talked about being molested as a kid um, and how that really impacted him. And it, it made him question a whole host of things about himself. But the biggest thing, the biggest thing that stopped him from being his best self, the thing that most sapped his confidence was that he said to me, Karen, I never wanted to play basketball. I never wanted to play basketball. But the kid was six feet tall, I think at the age of eight or nine, six, six, five by the time he was 10 or 11. So by the time he was 14, 15, he's on damn near seven feet tall. And he didn't feel like he had a choice because everybody in his life, including his mother, uh, hitched their wagon to his potential, you know, hitched their wagon to his success. And he never wanted to play basketball. He said, I actually hated basketball. I wanted to be a musician. I loved music. I wanted to sing and play, play instruments. And that's what I wanted to do. And everybody wanted me to play basketball. And it was funny when I was covering him in high school, he didn't talk much. He hated to talk. He hated the press. He didn't want to talk to the press. And I even talked to him about that. He said, because I just, I didn't even want to be there. So you imagine your whole life, everybody tells you this is what you're supposed to do because you're 7'2", and you never want to do it, and you follow somebody else's path for your life. Of course you're going to end up someplace that you're not, that you shouldn't be. Now, extreme, yeah, he ended up on crack, homeless. 
And the reason why I even know about the story is because he ended up in the hospital because he has frostbite on his feet because somebody stole his size 20-something shoes while he was out on the streets in the wintertime and he lost several toes. And that was a story. Uh, NBA, NBA uh, player, former NBA player, Seton Hall star, legendary high school basketball player, homeless, lost his toes on drugs. And that was his story. And he's still struggling. And he's still not where he needs to be. And so I just, I just say that, you know, I, I thought about it when I was listening back because I know that there's somebody out there right now living somebody else's life. Whether it's your parents, maybe they want you to be a doctor. Maybe you're in school right now studying something because your parents wanted you to study. Listen, I, I get it. You know, parents want the kids to be successful. But I will tell you, if you're a parent, stop putting undue pressure on your kids to, to live out your, your dream for them. Stop doing that because what you're ensuring is that they will never reach their full potential. You don't know what the world has in store for your children. And if you're listening to my voice and you're the, uh, you're the child, you don't know what the world has in store for you. But what you do know is that inside of you is unlocked potential. Excuse me. Inside of you is unmatched, un, un, you know, unleashed. You know, inside of you is potential yet to be unleashed. And it's your job to unleash it. And it's your job to tap into it. And it's your job to ignite it. And it's your job to figure out what that is. And at every time you do that, you build a little bit more towards your ability to do more. And that's all confidence. It's a stacking of all of those things. So let me just tell you, live your full life. Untether yourself from your trauma. Get out there. Let's get it, y'all. Because here's the thing. You really can't fail at this thing called life because it's yours. And I just want to tell everybody, thank you, first of all, for joining me uh, in this uh, journey of ours here towards figuring out confidence. And uh, please share if, if you've gotten anything from it share it with as many people as you know in your life who can be uh blessed by this as well and i just want to thank you follow me on twitter at karen hunter at k-a-r-e-n-h-u-n-t-e-r -E -E with the hashtag confidence and let's have a conversation about it and i'll see you next time <laughs>